Good evening. If you feel the need to laugh, you can. Uh, but maybe everybody will be able to hear with this and give me a little bit of freedom. Uh, you, some of you know this well, and others of you may not know this, but Doug Williams was a drummer uh, when he came to Mount Juliet, hence uh, the mic here. It is really good to be together tonight, to be under the tent, to enjoy a time of worship together. And if you're a guest, we've had so many guests to stay over this afternoon and be here with us tonight, and we are thankful that you've done that. It really encourages us that you have been with us today. And uh, for all those that have been inviting, all those that have encouraged others to come, all those that have helped set up and, and done so much, we say thank you to everybody that has a part in that. Uh, afterwards, those of, of you men, if we could have 15 or 20 uh, to just kind of stick around a few minutes just to break down all of the chairs, and we'll leave them stacked up here under the tent. And then we have some tables over here we need to get up to the top of the foyer and roll those back into place. So if 15 or 20 guys could do that, that would be very helpful after this. Also, we want to say a big thanks to all of you that helped with the Hispanic campaign the last few days. Several of you housed individuals that came from other towns and states. Several of you provided meals. Uh, we're thankful that uh, the preteen group, I believe it was, the preteen group, actually, their parents and them provided one of the meals, and the preteen served. And uh, that was just such a big encouragement to everybody involved in that campaign. And everybody that worked in that were thankful. Let's all continue to be prayerful. And I want to really, you know, I, I, I want to encourage you to really put this in your mind. Over the next few days, let's be prayerful about contacts that have been made today and individuals that perhaps have have uh, today has called them to think about spiritual things. Let's be praying that, that good, eternal good would come out of this. Let's be praying for the contacts that have been made in the Hispanic campaign. There, there are several Bible studies that have been set up. There are several correspondence courses that, that have also been set up. And let's be prayerful about all of that. Also, in second service this morning, late service, I failed to mention to you that... Uh, all of our adult Bible classes this next Sunday morning will meet combined in the auditorium. You'll notice in the curriculum that we've been studying through that it's a four-week curriculum, and this month has five weeks. And so this fifth week, the elders have asked us all to come back in together, and we want to give one final plea in this lesson to really cause us to think about our relationship with God, our relationship with our family, and even in a sense, our relationship with ourself. And what is it that we could do as a church family to really reach out and make a difference in the lives of others? And what is it that we could do uh, to, to be helped if, in fact, uh, we are the ones needing help? Let me find out how much cord I have here. I've got to find my limitations. Okay, I'm more limited than what I thought. All right. I know you're thinking this is supposed to go over my ears. It's not, all right? You can just, I know that's bugging some of you. Okay. Proverbs. Proverbs, of course, is a book of wisdom. It is a book that is written in short, practical thoughts. Uh, many of them are short and pithy. It's the idea, literally, in the way that they are written. It is written in such a way that uh, it makes you stop to think, why was it said like that? And that's literally a part of the teaching process. It is to cause us to think about what is being said so that we say, oh, so that's what that means. And that causes us to learn more in it. Most of the Proverbs in the Bible were written by Solomon. 
There are several proverbs that are not in the Bible, and some of those we call country expressions. Like, for example, don't name a pig you plan to eat. Country fences need to be horse high, pig tight, and bull strong. Life is simpler when you plow around the stumps. Don't sell your mule to buy a plow. Two can live as cheap as one if one don't eat. You can catch more flies with honey than with vinegar, assuming you want to catch flies. Uh, One a little more modern, a bumblebee is faster than a John Deere tractor. And uh, the one I like, I think any of us who grew up in the country, we can relate to this one. We've probably been there and regretted this one before. Don't corner something meaner than you. Solomon has some great proverbs to live by. We've been looking at several of those, and tonight we'll probably only get through about 10 of these in the length of time we have. You have 31 there. You can go back and study this week. Uh, This particular study in Proverbs, we took some time to read through the book of Proverbs and say, what is it that we could do that would cause people to like us? We spent the last two Sunday nights looking at things that if we do these things, it's going to cause people to not like us. So what are some things we could do that would cause people to like us? Uh, Number one, when those in authority think you are wise, they're going to like you. You think about the fact that anyone in authority has people under them that they're hoping will just do the right thing. But that seems hard to come by sometime. And what if not only do they do the right thing, but what if they go beyond that and they show a lot of wisdom when that opportunity presents itself? Proverbs, the 18th chapter in verse 35 says, The king's favor is toward a wise servant, but his wrath is against him who causes shame. Kings are impressed with those who are wise. Number two, number two, reasons people like you. When you are a dependable messenger, Proverbs 12 and 13, like the cold of snow in times of harvest, which, by the way, that one right there even gives the scholars uh, a hard way to go. They don't know exactly what to do with that, except they know that it was written in such a way that it was supposed to be something really positive. So whatever it would be positive to have snow when you're trying to harvest, it is a faithful messenger to those who send him for he refreshes the soul of the matter. And that's why we know that it's positive. It's something refreshing. If you want people to like you, and that's, and you know, we talked about this the last two Sunday nights. We don't do things just so people will like us. There's a standard much higher than that. Our life ought to be a blessing to people. And, and we want to be a reflection of God. And, and to be a blessing to people is what we're striving to do. Whenever you are a faithful messenger, you're a blessing to others. How oftentimes have you called someone and you have had to talk with someone and say, hey, can you pass on this message to them? And you hung up the phone and you said to yourself, they're not going to pass that message on. If you want to be liked, be dependable. Be a faithful messenger. Know that if you have responsibility given to you, that you will answer that call and you will do that. Number three, when you are reverent. Now this is one that uh, definitely we as Christians can appreciate. You know, reverence is the idea of esteeming things that are righteous and things that are of great value. And it's the idea of fearing things that are sinful and, and literally saying, I don't want that in my life. And notice what he says here in Proverbs 28. He says, happy is the man 
who is always reverent. But he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. And so it's a blessing for those of us that are Christians to be around other people that are reverent. Number four, when you excel at your work, it will usually cause people to like you more. Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine. Do you see a man who excels at his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. Now think about that for a moment. A man or a woman that doesn't excel at what they do, they'll stand before other people that are unknown. Somebody that excels, they'll stand before those that are known. There's probably not anybody here that enjoys paying 35 or 40 bucks to go see a football game if there's absolutely no stars involved. You don't go to games to see average people play. There's some average people on the team, but you go to see the stars. You go to see the athletes that stand out, the ones that excel at their work. You know, this very same writer, in, when he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, he said, whatsoever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. If you want people to appreciate you, you let it be evident that you're giving everything that is within you to do your task the very best that it can be done. And when people excel at their task, they truly are more likely to be impressive upon other people. Number five, reasons people like you when you encourage a depressed person. Proverbs 12 and 25 says, Anxiety is in the heart of man, causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. You know, it's interesting to think that all of us probably at some time in our life will at least go through situational depression. The very idea that something has happened in our life that's tragic, something that's brought great pain, and we'll go through that period of sadness. Now the question is, who's going to offer that word of encouragement? I'm not suggesting to you that anybody can say something that will make it all better, but somebody can say something that will make the moment better. Somebody can say something that will at least let you know you're not there alone, that someone's thinking about you. Isn't it interesting how some people, when they see someone that's depressed, they, they treat them like they're a plague, and, and they pretend they never saw them, and, and they walk way around them, and they try to avoid them. I want to encourage you to not try to avoid someone that's depressed. I want to encourage you to think about how could I reach out to them? Could I write them a note? What could I do? I think about one of you that that uh, whenever the homework assignment a few weeks ago when we were reaching out to individuals, and, you know, one of the, the weeks was writing to someone who had been a great spiritual encouragement in your life. One of you did that, and uh, this, is, this is the reply that his daughter sent back. To set this up a little bit, what it was, by this time, this fellow is, is an elderly man, and he has been a great encouragement uh, in this life of an individual that probably 50 more years ago. And so uh, one of our members here wrote him a note and just said, I, I just want to tell you thank you for the spiritual influence you were in my life and, and just elaborated on it. And I, don't, I didn't read the copy of that, but it was a great encouragement. This man now is a caretaker for his wife who has Alzheimer's and he's caring for her at home. And this man's daughter 
replied in an email and said, I'm not sure what the contents were in the letter you wrote to my dad, but you sure lifted his spirits, and the timing was divine. I called him this evening to check on he and mama. He's not felt physically well for a few days, and earlier this week, he had encountered a couple of issues that had left him not in a good humor, as he described it to me. I believe in part he's struggling with the limitations aging and caregiving have created. Anyway, he shared with me that he had received a complimentary letter from you that seemed to restore some of the joy he was missing. Thank you. Thank you for allowing God to use you to brighten this day and days ahead for my dad. God bless you and keep you in his grace. We all have the opportunity to make a difference in the lives of others. Instead, when they're hurting of running from them or ignoring them, instead, we could reach out to them. Number six, reasons people like you when you carefully consider how to respond. Think of all the times we answer people every day and think how oftentimes we give very little thought to how we're going to answer. Proverbs 15 and 28, the heart of the righteous studies how to answer. But the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. In the last few minutes that we have, I want to skip a few and go to a few of these that pertain to family issues. Number 12, since today is family day. Number 12, reasons people like you when you live a morally excellent life. That's one definition of, of virtuous, a morally excellent, selfless life. Proverbs 31, verse 10, and then skipping down to 28. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. Her children rise up and call her blessed. And her husband also, he praises her. Isn't it wonderful when family is able to appreciate each other, when family is able to praise and to bless each other? Uh, when we think of reasons people like us, we ought to live in such a way that our family would like us. Number 14 there, when you highly value family friends, now notice that's not family comma, when you highly value family friends and neighbors. Proverbs 27 and 10, do not forsake your own friends or your father's friends. Nor go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. What kind of value do you place upon friendships? Do you really value your friends? Do you value your parents' friends? I would say that we're probably missing that in the generations that we've had in the last year or two. There's probably not a lot of people here that have placed a high value on friendships just because... It was your parents' friends. Isn't it interesting that that's one of the Proverbs of wisdom? That we ought to have a loyalty even to our parents' friends. And then how valuable is friendship? When there's a calamity that comes in your life, you shouldn't have to go three hours down the road to your physical brother or sister. If there's a calamity in your life, wouldn't it be great if you fostered relationships so close that you'd have a neighbor that you could turn to? That would be like a brother to you. And so this in this long verse, it's really a long proverb. He's really showing us the value of our friends, the value of our parents' friends, and even how we ought to be so close to them that we could turn to them. 
Number 15 is real interesting. When your will, talking about like your inheritance that, that you're leaving behind, when your will reveals wisdom. Now, let's just note this, that probably uh, those receiving your estate might not appreciate this at first, okay? This is wisdom here, and wisdom is sometimes not appreciated down the road. Notice in Proverbs 20 and 21, an inheritance gained hastily at the beginning will not be blessed at the end. Isn't it interesting that a pretty good percentage of all money that's inherited within about 9 to 18 months is completely gone? Most people cannot ha handle wisely an inheritance. So there's $4 trillion that's estimated to be left behind in the next 10 years here in America. $4 trillion. Wouldn't it be a lot better if those individuals that's going to leave that money behind handled it wisely and set up trust so that there would be a time value of money and that way they could give an equal percent under a trust to a nonprofit, a charitable organization like the Mount Juliet Church of Christ? And then, and then their kids could still get the same amount that they would get anyway, but instead of getting it once, they would get it over a 10-year period of time, which according to Proverbs is a lot more wise than giving it once. And later on, probably on that fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth year, those that are receiving that are probably saying, wow, I'm glad they did that. That really was a lot better. They probably wouldn't say that the first year because they probably had foolish plans for all of the money you worked to make over a lifetime. Number 19, number 19. This one and one more on the family, and we'll close. Reasons people like you when you are a wise offspring. Proverbs 15 and 20, a wise son makes a father glad. Now, that makes somebody like you, according to Proverbs. But a foolish man despises his mother. And so as children growing up, we have the opportunity to bring a lot of joy into our family or we have the opportunity to bring a lot of pain. And again, isn't it wonderful when, when family, when we have given family reasons to like us? And then I, this one just comes with really uh, a low entry point. I mean, there's not a lot of expectations on it, but it just is so true. I think everybody here that's a grandparent would agree. Number 21, uh, if you want people to like you, just be a grandchild. Proverbs 17 and 6 says it. Children's children are the crown of old men. And the glory of children is their father. And you know, that's pretty true. Uh, whenever we see uh, grandparents today, uh, they are glad that they have grandchildren. And it's a great joy. And so you want to bring a lot of joy to somebody, just be a grandchild. Isn't it wonderful, though, that God has no grandchildren? God only has children. And this evening, if you're not God's child, you're missing out on the greatest blessing that has ever been offered to you. The opportunity to be adopted into God's family. The opportunity to come to Him, submitting your life, and knowing that when we lay our life at the feet of the Lord, that we're putting our life in the best hands it's ever been. That we can trust everything that He would ask of us to be for our good. Not only on this earth, but for an eternity. This evening, if you're ready to be immersed into Christ, you're a believer, you're ready to repent, 
uh, you're ready to confess before uh, men that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Uh, I don't know how deep that creek is right there, but that'd be pretty awesome tonight. But if not, we have a pool that's probably heated. But but it would be great uh, tonight for uh, all of us, all of us to see you uh, become a child of God. Maybe you wandered, and you know, usually when people have wandered away, they've usually been thinking about it a while. And maybe it's time for you to quit thinking and to do. And tonight, if you know what you need to do and you need to come back and make your life right with God, what a wonderful day on Family Day to make your life right with the most important family on this earth. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand as we sing.